Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cana Rinse Sound of Play 46. Yeah! Sound of Play, you may have noticed, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 46 is Sean Bell. Hello. Hello, of Midnight Resistance, and because one podcast isn't enough to contain him, <laughs> a new venture known as the Computer Game Show. It's weird having two shows again. Yeah. So uh, the computer game show, for those yeah. who haven't picked up on this, um, we have alerted a few people. Um, for whatever reason, uh, you and David and uh, James and Matt Murray mm -hmm. have decided to uh, kind of pick up where Joypod left off, but you've you've thrown away the old branding. Yeah, not really sure why, because, I mean, the new name's rubbish. So I don't... <laughs> don't... <laughs> Oh, Look, we, I, quite, we had, I quite like we, how straightforward it is. Well, um, we had this long democratic process uh, yeah. to try and whittle down our favourite name, and then we ended up with one that none of us were really that passionate about, but uh, it was the, the old, only one uh, we could the agree. The old Alvida saying pet uh, yeah. uh, thing, where they, they will they vote on the colour that they want their cabin, and the one that finishes <clears throat> had the most second place places exactly. got the choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how that's how <laughs> democracy is explained. Yeah, but no, it's it's nice having a show that I can just turn up and say stuff and then leave. And, you what know, do you do and I don't one? have to, I'm not in control of it. I don't oh, have to right. manage it or <laughs> oh, yeah, run it. I just... it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. We we had a period where uh, members of Cane and Rince would pop on to uh, Chris O'Regan's uh, mm. podcast and just talk, you know, do normal, normal podcast banter instead of our usual rather. Uh, intense dry mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh serious nerdy stuff on on cane and rinse mm. uh, and it, yeah it's quite fun mm. um we as a uh, we were just saying before we started recording that we tend to keep sound of play a little uh a little lighter than uh, than the main cane and rinse podcast but um but it's still not a, a magazine show we we really keep our sort of news coverage and stuff down to our our facebook page but that said yeah. we just started talking uh e3 uh, and how, Sean, you're tired because you stayed up till some stupid time. Yeah, I was up till about 20 past four in the morning watching mm. the, the, the Bethesda conference. Who, mm. Who's even that bothered about Bethesda? Well, me, apparently. Well, you know, uh. I like the, the the one thing I like about E3 is that, you know, you you get at the end of it when when all when it's all been sort of distilled, you've got 
some things to look forward to, and, that, and that's just fine with me. But that mm. I cannot be doing with the watching of the conferences. Yeah, it's everything it, else you have to it, sift through to get to the two things that you, you get excited about. Well, that's it, and and I think even more. You know, I've always hated. I've had to do a lot of them as as an employee of various places of going mm. to sort of corporate launches, yeah. um, where people get up on stage in jacket and jeans combos, try to be trendy, use corporate speak, and it's all deeply offensive and unpleasant. <laughs> Uh, and that's bad enough. So that that I don't like about E3. But then what I've discovered over the past uh, six or seven years um, since I've been on Twitter, I think you and I uh, first did a podcast together about seven years ago when, yeah. when Twitter was kind of a brand new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the response to uh, the E3 conferences, conferences on Twitter is one of the most dispiriting things <laughs> It it like really saps my love of the medium uh, away, and and like I have often been an advocate of the idea that one is control in control of one's own Twitter feed, and 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 it mm-hmm. sort of it, I'm I'm being critical here, uh, uh, hypocritical in two ways here. One in that um, I'm saying that I get annoyed by my own Twitter feed when I have the power to unfollow and mute people, mm-hmm. although I have realised that there is a certain amount of politics uh, yeah. that goes along with that once you've got <laughs> once you've got people who notice that you follow them or, or whatever. Um, and and also I don't like I just the amount of snark is just dispiriting to me. And then I become snarky about the snark. Snark breeds snark breeds snark breeds snark. Well, yeah, I mean, I was having this conversation with Andy Hamilton yesterday because he was he was annoyed because um, everyone was uh, kicking off about Battlefield 1 being set in World War 1 and maybe that's not appropriate and stuff. Mm. Um, I said, yeah, but, you know, like when that uh, the trailer for, was it Fee, Faye? How did they pronounce it? F-E? I didn't know how they pronounced it because I've only of seen it written it down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, which, which was EA's uh, sort of token RT game. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, and everyone was mocking that as well. Yeah, because it's, it's like, oh, well, it's another indie it. platformer. Ugh. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, just people, just everyone want everyone. Everyone seems to want every uh, presentation to be entirely uh, for them. Yeah. Um. And I, I find it particularly laughable when every year you get the same thing. It, like people stay up to watch the EA conference. Mm-hmm. It's the EA conference. <laughs> their most their most profitable products are FIFA mm-hmm. and uh, Battlefield. Mm-hmm. And they also keep their fingers in some other pies because, you know, obviously they've got Bioware and there'll be things from that. But if you watch uh, a, a basically what is a corporate presentation um, about a company's wares, expect them to promote their most profitable things. Yep. Don't don't act all huffy and surprised and I'm so above it when they show the thing you don't like, whether it's football or war. Or because what what do you expect? You just yeah. sound and and it's all so painfully unoriginal. Like as if as if they're just going to come out on stage and be like, well, "We're doing a new FIFA," but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you get the inevitable slew of uh, sports ball, sigh, you know, yawn. Like that's not like that. What's I think I find that more boring than the than the conferences themselves. And and I you know I speak as somebody who like uh, I'm sort of interested in most of the games that get announced because I I've got you know pretty broad tastes. I like shooters. I like football. I also mm. like indie platformers. Mm. You know, this is what Kane and Rince was born out of. But yeah. um, and I realise some of the snark is probably you know well intended and and stuff. But God, yeah. it's wearing. God, <laughs> I think it's just because. You know, like because there have been legitimately disappointing um, press conferences and stuff. Not not necessarily this year, but you know, years previous. 
I think people sort of just want to own their disappointment by just uh-huh. being sort of preemptively annoyed <laughs> at it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, well, I'm I'm going to enjoy being angry about this at least, you know. Like, <laughs> but I think if that get, if you know if it gets sure. to the point where that's getting in the way of you just honestly enjoying it and just let you know the stuff, letting yeah. the things that you're not that interested about just happen and not get annoyed about it. Yeah, yeah, and then maybe I, it's I, a problem. Well, that's it, and I still come from the perspective of somebody who thinks that you know there's very little about video games to get actually angry about we come yeah. we're recording this obviously at the start of e3 it's the it's monday the 13th of june 2016 this may all get edited out because this isn't a magazine show <laughs> but it's good for me and sean to talk yeah. um but coming after the weekend we've just had uh with uh horrific scenes of nationalist violence mm. uh, that's linked itself up to uh, the european championship football uh we've seen the worst mass shooting in america which astonishingly is something like the 170 something this mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. um in a year that's only had 160 something days so far um people getting annoyed about people showing a video game they don't like for for two minutes uh like i know i know we all we all have our own you know cross to bear and we have our own existences and we're not always directly affected by these other things but seriously get a grip message ends rant ends see now i'm ranting about people it's happened it's happened i'm so sorry uh but yes i probably need to get that off my chest um yeah but Back in the world of celebrating video games and mm-hmm. all that surrounds them, we're doing a Sound of Play podcast here, and we opened here with a very jolly tune, courtesy <laughs> of Sean's first pick, Doobie Doo Wop Bop. And um, weirdly, after not fe- featuring any Tommy Tallarico for uh, the first 40-something Sound of sound of Plays, Sounds of Play, still not sure, um, we've now had, uh, well, we had a repeat track. I must apologise for that, actually. That was uh, an admin error on my and Ryan's part. We're now, now we've gone weekly. We're both recording shows. Um, and uh, Ryan Quintel requested a track as a as a community listener and then got invited on the podcast as a, as a fellow podcaster and played the same track. So we ended up playing a track from Treasures of the Deep twice, but I thought it was very nice. We've only had one actual complaint. Um, <laughs> we'll be more, we'll be much more careful in future. But I did feel like t- one repeated track in uh, in forty five podcasts wasn't that big a deal. Anyway, we've yes. definitely never played Doobie Doo Wop Bop before. So uh, Earthworm Jim two was that was that a, a big love of yours in in the uh, the sixteen bit platform era? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, just you know, like. Because it came at a time when I, you know, I was a teenager and developing my taste in things, and then just <laughs> seeing it, like seeing Earthworm Jim, and just being like, "The heck is this? Yes, this is completely off. It's not." And then, uh, yeah, I mean, sort of, you know, Earthworm Jim one and two, three um, mm. D, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask. That was that was my one of my questions uh, on this. Did you play? The I, I, did, oh, I've never even played it, so no. maybe maybe I'm being completely unfair. It might be a masterpiece. Well, uh, yeah, who knows? The, the uh, reception wasn't that it was a masterpiece, but mm. until you play it yourself, yeah, you can't possibly say. But yeah, I, mean, I was no, I was, I was really chuffed when I saw the the Google Doc for this episode. Um, if that's not pulling back the curtain too much, no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's seeing, a Google Doc. Uh, yeah, so it's just seeing that I got the cold opening because that, I think. It was just turning this game, you know, turning Earthworm Jim on for yeah. the first time and hearing this and just having absolutely no clue what was happening. Mm. Like just mm. that this this was the title screen music. Did you play <laughs> did you play them in order? Uh, I did, yeah. 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 Um so 
I mean, the, the version you've just heard is the sort of PlayStation Stroke PC version. Right, um, yeah, of course. They, yeah. they redid, rejigged them all a little bit. Um, I mean, well, more out of necessity more than anything else. Obviously, if you've done a song for SNES and Mega Drive and then mm. it goes to the PlayStation PC, you've pretty much got to re record it. But um, it's basically the same other than it's got those little sort of gospel choir flourishes added yeah. on top, because why not? Mm. Um, it's just incredibly funny and pleasant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It took me back. I was thinking about um, these sorts of games, and and uh, in my mind, they're now occupying a similar space to uh, the Rayman Oranges mm -hmm. and Lemons games. Yeah, yeah. In the in that they, I, I said this when when we covered Rayman Origins a while back, is that it it had a kind of similar feel to me to um, you know in terms of handling the character and stuff to the mm -hmm. Earthworm Jim games. Yeah. Um, not they they very much have a sort of. Uh, a western platformer feel rather than a japanese one yeah um they're not exactly sort of uh you know mario in terms mm. of 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 character control but they have their own they have their own charms and really really for the for the time the animation uh in in the earthworm gym games from start to finish um was you know it just it it reeked of cartoon quality and there was a cartoon a spin-off cartoon which i remember my uncle liked even though he hated video games with a passion <laughs> uh, he enjoyed the surreal knockabout japes of the. Uh, of, well, yeah, because uh, Jim was voiced by Dan Castellaneta as well, of uh, Homer Simpson yeah. fame. Okay. Um, Very good. Yeah. I don't know how long it lasted. Um, it was just the one series. I remember like crying, laughing at it as a child, and I th yeah. think I revisited it, and it wasn't wasn't great. No, but <laughs> I, I think I mean I, I was. Uh, so I was twenty something when Earthworm Jim came out, and I, mm -hmm. I got it on. I got it straight away yeah. and uh, played it, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, but I think maybe in you know in as a as an early twenty something in the mid nineties, mm. uh, the humour seemed to you know work very well. But I think if it came out now, I'd probably think you know it's a bit it's a bit self consciously zany, isn't it? But possibly, yeah. I mean, and it's interesting as well, sort of revisiting it now. You you know, like you say. It, it had such a, you know, this heavy emphasis on the animation and the art style and stuff. Like, but to the point that the way it feels and controls is actually a bit subservient to that. Yeah. Um, the collision detection's a bit yeah. uh, suspect <laughs> and a bit it feels a bit inconsistent. I, you know, you, obviously you can't see your hitbox, but it feels like sometimes it's actually not where the animation frames lie and yeah. uh, things like that. I've been back to it, uh, or the first one, because they sadly, um, although Gameloft um, did an HD version of Earthworm Jim mm. for a download um, about five years ago, five or six years ago, they never got round to, or they never got, never were allowed to do the sequel. Um, but I, I would have picked it up anyway. It's a nice yeah. one to have in the collection. And, and as HD versions go, it's actually a, it's a nice one because it it feels, it looks and feels like the original felt mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. But it's got, you know, it's got more detailed graphics. But they haven't they haven't mucked around with anything. They haven't changed anything that didn't need changing. So um, yeah, that's still out there. I'm sure it's available very very cheaply mm. now. Uh, first community request from uh, Brigand, a new contributor. Uh, and this is uh, for a game that I literally don't think I'd ever heard of before. <laughs> Years ago, I got a demo disc on CD with the purchase of a PC gaming magazine, now sadly defunct. On this disc was a demo for Emperor of the Fading Suns, a game that even in demo form was way over my head. But what I remember most about it was it uh, that it had a great soundtrack. The intro track in particular really stuck out. And luckily, the track would play in a regular CD player, allowing me to copy it off and convert it to MP3. 
I've never found out conclusively who wrote the track, but one internet resource lists the following composers for the whole game. Tim Carroll, Ernie Ernest, Scott Moskos, Colin Ray and Barry Suttle. Uh, the whole album is really great, but the synth notes of the intro really set the mood, reminding me especially of Dune. So here it is, Fading Suns from Emperor of the Fading Suns. So at least one of Tim Carroll, Ernie Ernest, Scott Moskos, Colin Ray and Barry Suttle wrote that. Um, I'm assuming maybe one or two of those people are actually real. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a Sega Soft Windows PC game from 1997. Sean, any insight on Fading Suns? Uh, absolutely none. Um, my only no. comment is that I really enjoy the Seinfeld bass on that track. <laughs> And it's it got probably, a Seinfeld bass, yeah. Well, it's not, uh, probably not the, the effect they were going for, but I was just giggling throughout. Yeah, there's a few games where you know I'm thinking about the sort of old school sitcom uh, scene entry sting. Um, mm. You get a game where like the game over tune sounds like it could be the start of a scene in a in yeah. a late '80s, early '90s sitcom. That's always nice. Mm. 
Uh, and speaking of uh, things from the the era, um, this next pick that you've brought for us uh, has some almighty orchestra stabs. Yes. Well, it's a game about big robots, so you have to, really. Um, right. Now, we've got, right. this is from Cybernator, Stroke, Assault Suits, Vulcan, Vulcan. Mm. I'm supposed to say it. Um, maybe, then you've had a song from this before, haven't you? Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the opening track. I That's think. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is in despair. And now I was I, I meant to go back and listen to the episode where you've had Simonator on before because when I was trying to find out who composed this, uh, it's just listed as the music is just well music and sound effects is by Opus Corp. So yes. then, which he then yeah I looked it up and all I could find was that apparently it's a guy called Masanao Akahori. I believe that's uh, true. I believe mm. I believe Masanara Akahori did the whole soundtrack. I right. believe. Yeah. Um, for those who've not listened to the other episode where this is, I can't comment which episode it was, but no, I can't. Um, yeah, uh, SNES game released in 1992 where you play as a giant robot. I think this was probably my sort of my eyes opening to the existence of giant Japanese robots, <laughs> and <laughs> the rest is history. Um, yeah, fantastic game, absolutely brilliant. Still stands up really well today this track in particular um is an interesting counterpoint to when i was last on sound of play i picked a song from the yorg which was the the happy ending song that i've never heard because i never got the happy ending this is the sad ending song uh for a game where i've never had the sad ending um basically what one of the many interesting things about cybernator is that there are missions where you you know aside from getting to the end and killing the boss there are like objectives that you have to complete and you can uh, mess them up and you can fail to do them with certain consequences one of them being that basically if you fail one or possibly a number of them you get this bad ending where everyone you know dies um and mm. you kill you i think i think you still you still win you still kill the bad guy but it's like your sort of mothership where your robot lives um basically that gets blown up and everyone you know dies so you have to listen to this song and you guys just absolutely uh despondent Desolate. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> here we go, here we go in despair.
So I think I probably said some of these things last time we featured Cybernator, mm-hmm. Assault Suits Vulcan, but I'm going to say them again because they interest me mm-hmm. and it's been a while. But uh, yeah, so this the original Japanese version, Assault Suits Vulcan, uh, came out in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, we got it in the West in 1993. Yeah. In Europe, it was released under the label Palcom uh, because uh, the Nintendo rules about certain uh, publishers not having more than a certain number of releases in a year for them for, for their oh, console right. so konami um obviously were quite prolific on the super nintendo with a whole slew of amazing games mm. um and the loophole was that if they just set up a different company and called it something else <laughs> uh, they could carry on releasing games so mm. yeah so uh, palcom clever um <laughs> yeah and the other thing uh, that's that's interesting about this game to me is that the original Japanese version had a lot more um, yeah. uh, in sort of character interaction and yeah. script and, and story. Including much more like, an ending yeah. where it's revealed that the bad guys are the European Union. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, well, they were ahead of their time with their, with their, with their Brexit angling. Yeah, clearly. Um, but uh, yeah, so the the Western version got cut down in that in that respect, and it became more of a, a straightforward-ish um, with a few sort of uh, the the game does stop now and again for for uh, dialogue, but um, but it's but it's been greatly reduced. Um, the good news is that the NTSC version is now available as a download on the Wii U Virtual Console in Europe, mm. so you can play at least play it um, in full screen, full speed. Um, but uh, there was a PS2 version. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? If no. I remember. Right, well, they just did nothing with it. It was literally right. the same game, straight, straight so, port. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it, I don't know if that came out in the English language because mm. maybe I was wondering if there was a straight port of the Japanese version, but with English oh, uh, English language, but Not sure. or whether there's a fan translation out there. Mm. Anyway, next up we have uh, it's Tim Follin. Um, but not it's kind of a cover version, really. Uh, this is requested by Martin Uglo who sounds like something out of a Rayman game. This track (laughs) has so much depth considering it was on the SID chip. The bass sweep shortly after the start is a great constant to the icy melody. At the midpoint of the track, the tune darkens, becomes more sinister and develops the layers even further. Even listening now, it gives me goosebumps. The atmosphere of the game was was captured well in the whole soundtrack. So yeah, this is from... uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, or Daimakai Mura, to give it its original name. And yeah, this is a favourite of mine as well. Uh, the Crystal Forest from uh, 
So that uh, was originally composed by Tamayo Kawamoto, uh, a frankly uh, wonderful composer who we featured before. Uh, she was uh, not credited on most of her early works because they were some of the earliest Capcom arcade games, including uh, the things you'll have seen on the Capcom Generations co uh, compilations like Sun Sun, Pirate Ship Higamar, X-Dex's Commando and all that sort of thing. And uh, she was there on Forgotten Worlds as well. Uh, some amazing pieces, but she went on after that to uh, Taito, I believe, and work on the Darius games. So uh, I know that uh, you were a big fan when I picked a track by uh, Zuntata from yes. Ninja Warriors. <laughs> um, and there's loads of footage of Zuntata on YouTube from their various concerts in the, uh, I think mostly in the early and late 90s. But there she is, uh, Kawamoto, uh, actually playing keyboards to her own tracks with mm. the rest of the Zuntata band on stage, doing some vocals as well. Cool. Um, and it's really, really excellent stuff. But yeah, that's, uh, that's Tim Follin's interpretations of her ghouls and ghosts music um there's also uh he he also did the 16-bit versions and the amiga versions of those tracks are well worth checking out as well but also the original arcade soundtracks have have their own charm uh yeah there's nothing i don't like about about any of that wonderful stuff see i've, I've got a soft spot for the sid chip so i'm quite yeah. happy that he's picked that version it's just it's just interesting um I mean, I'm biased because I was a C64 kid anyway. Yeah. Um, and then when I was at university, uh, one of my projects was I had to program a synthesizer. I thought, I know, I'll get the Commodore 64 out and do like mm. program a synth on that. Uh, absolute disaster. Don't ever try <laughs> that. Um, but it was just fascinating going through the instruction manual um, for the C64 and is explaining how all the sound functions work. And you, you realize that, like all the noises that we just categorize, you know, categorize as chip tune or yeah. Sid, uh, you know, Sid chip uh, noises, like they were supposed to sound like real instruments. It was like you know, if you use this program, if you want it to sound like a trombone, or hmm. this one, if you want it to sound like a guitar. Whereas now, like you, you, you forget that is what they were aiming for, you know, mm. with the, with the early synths. Yeah. And um, but now it's you know, enough time has passed that it just we consider it its own thing. It doesn't. It's not trying to sound. Like, doesn't sound to us like it's trying to sound like real instruments it just sounds like tip tune stuff yeah yeah and and i guess you also got uh, even more of an appreciation for what the likes of rob hubbard and tim follin and martin galway managed to get out of that yeah absolutely no machine. idea how they managed it um yeah. i basically did a thing where you just pressed a key and it made random noises it was awful <laughs> still got a degree though somehow so pass hey, yeah yeah uh, they say it's getting easier oh no that's gcse <laughs> isn't it <laughs> Uh, this next track you couldn't make by pressing a random key on a Commodore 64. <laughs> Segway. We've featured, I think, at least one track by Austin Wintry before, but you've brought Reclamation from Journey. What is it about this track that you particularly like? Well, first, I was when I was looking at the, the list, I was surprised Journey's not been featured before on the show, but then I guess maybe it seems a bit obvious because it's just it's a soundtrack that everyone likes and it's won awards and everyone bangs on about it. I thought um, we had, so there you go. I think I you've, you've had Austin Wintry up before. I don't mm. think it was from Journey, though. Okay. Um, well, that's fine. But, uh, um, it's, it's about time. Yeah. Uh, this track in particular, I mean, I've, I don't know. I've got nothing clever to say about it other than the second half just gives me unbelievable spine chills. Nice. Um, if I think it's at the bit where you first get into the really snowy area. And, it get, and mm. you know, that... That's the sort of the real point of the game where you're like, this kind of this isn't like a nice trip anymore. This is actually 
Like, like you can you start seeing how hard it is on grueling your, and arduous. At that yeah, point. yeah, um, mm. yeah, and then you just get this like unbelievably sort of sad bit of music, um, and it's like, and it just sort of compounds this this sense of like, oh, actually, this is this is not easy <laughs> on these guys. You know, these the, the the little pilgrims who are like sort of trudging through the snow, and um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful track among you know in a soundtrack that's. I mean, there's not a bad track in it. Um, but for some reason, yeah, this one just sticks out to me as one that, like I say, just get that friss on from it. stuff from Austin Wintry, Reclamation from Journey, of course. I think that's one of those games where the music is uh, obviously it's intended this way um, as with that game company's other titles, is the music is absolutely intrinsic to the experience. It's mm. not a game you would want to play with the sound off. Um, now I've, I'm having this weird internal dialogue thinking about apologising to our hard of hearing uh, listeners but then that's confusing because <laughs> we probably haven't got any. No. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but do you see what, uh, yes, you know, yeah. the idea that um, our, our privileged hearing listeners um, can say, I can say, am I being privileged by saying well, I wouldn't want to play this without the sound on? It's an see, interesting yeah. point because obviously... So, I'm on a minefield. <laughs> it's a, because obviously a lot of games now have um, sort of colour blindness options and stuff. Yeah. But I don't know how many concessions are made to players that are hard of hearing. No, um, so I know many, that I some some games. I think um, Valve games all have closed closed caption, um, mm-hmm. so you uh, you can uh, you'll actually if you're if you're playing Left 4 Dead, for instance, it will come in come up in closed brackets like witch crying, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So. so it's an interesting issue because you could sort of add you know on screen prompts and stuff, sort mm. 
signify where sounds are happening and stuff. But then could that be considered a cheat if people who can already hear enable that? Yeah. Or and even, are they getting an yeah. unfair advantage? So or, Yeah, or it could be considered, you know, I don't know, even patronizing in some way. But yeah. I, I think I think the I think there is um I think there have been movements in the last few years to make sure that when an alarm is going off in a game uh, that there is some sort of visual indication, yeah. Um, whether it be actually part of the HUD or you know something on screen to mm. let you know that something urgent's happening. I did actually talk uh, through through his uh, his interpreter, if that's the right word, but his his signer um, mm. to a student at the college I was working at yeah. um, last year about his. You know, he's a hardcore gamer, and mm. his experiences uh, to a certain amount. Um, not dictated, but influenced by his him, him being profoundly deaf. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of saying, you know, what's it, you know, do you get moments in games where you feel like it was, you know, it was completely unfair that, you know, something snuck up behind you with no warning. And he was, he was just, to be honest, he was just really blase about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it happens, but okay. you know, what do you expect? Yeah. But you know, that was just one, uh, one person's experience, maybe somebody else, um, you know, feels really aggrieved that, mm. that that happens in games that they get, you know, because I personally, it's something, you know, that it's something we would talk about on the other podcast. If, 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 if we were taking damage and we couldn't do anything about it, that would generally be considered a game design flaw. Yeah. If a game's not informing you of things that yeah, are going on, then that's precisely. really irritating. That's quite a fundamental yeah. tenet of, you know, good game design. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's interesting, but um, yeah, I, I guess this is a, as good a place as any to uh, remind people of the amazing work of Special Effect. Mm. And um, the most of the images they post, uh, understandably, on their social media and, and Facebook, Facebook and Twitter, uh, are the incredible custom controllers that they make for people. Yeah, um, it's always just absolutely amazing to see what they do with. Um, you know, giving people different, just, yeah, kind of completely reconfiguring control methods to mm -hmm. make it work for individuals. I was, um, yeah, I mean, a few yeah. years ago at EGX, there was um, a guy who was missing, I think, all of his limbs, playing Portal and having a really good time. Yeah, so <laughs> chin, chin and tongue and nose yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. really, really smart, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, support their work, and um, yeah, just to remind you that way back in uh, issue thirty-one of the Cana Rinse podcast, we did a triple game show uh, for that game company where we talked all about Flow, Flower, and Journey, and that will be that from them because, well, as as they were at least anyway. Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure what's going on there. No, <laughs> key key folks have moved on. Yeah. So yeah, but it was lovely while it lasted. Mm. Next up, we have another new contributor, a request from somebody who calls themselves MH Ninja Bear. And he or she says, I figured I might try submitting one of my many favourite pieces from the God Eater Burst soundtrack. The song is Adult Time Romance Mix. <laughs> I cannot recall when this plays. I think I could have a guess. going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I cannot recall when it plays in the game since I've listened to the soundtrack far more than I've played the game. But this song, as well as the others, sets a very unique tone that helps carry an interesting story in a game that many would compare to Monster Hunter. It's always nice to hear a bit of jazz and swing mixed into the video game medium. I hope you enjoy this tune as much as I have.
so it's called God he- God Eater Burst, and he says it invokes Monster Hunter. This sounds right up your alley. Sean. It's um, yeah. This this was the the first of the knockoffs, I think. Um, right. When because Monster Hunter had existed for a while on the PlayStation Two, and then it really kicked off um, when mm. it made its way to the PSP. That's um, right. Because you know, if you live in Tokyo, you can just meet up with all your friends because because <laughs> yeah. they don't live miles away. Um, and uh, yeah, and then there was there was this, and then there was Lords of Arcana, and a couple mm. of others, um, all pretty decent. Personally, I don't think any of them quite stack up to Monster Hunter. But yeah, it was it was an interesting game. It was this weird um, sort of post-apocalyptic setting where there's enemies, and you sort of you get them down to a certain amount of health, and then you have to think, yeah, you sort of your we- your weapon have a, has a mode where it's like a sword or whatever. Then it splits into like a massive jaw and then eats stuff, as you might expect. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting game. Mm. From shift, the people who brought you uh, the PlayStation One Curio Devil Dice. Really? In the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty cool puzzle game which got a PS2 sequel. Yeah. Um, yeah, a favorite of a of a puzzle game. Uh, obsessive friend of mine yeah definitely mm. um and yeah go sheena there the composer uh i think is uh something of a genius um i've featured uh bits of his work before from from the various mr driller games um he's a huge fan of jazz violin but he can work in multiple um genres of music he's done stuff for for the tekken games uh as well and rpgs uh, like Tales of Legendia uh, and Ace Combat, so uh, many strings to his bow. Uh, check him out for sure. Now, wait a minute. It's uh, it's another Tommy Tallarico. You, <laughs> it, he's like he's like buses. <laughs> See, I, I might, this might sound like I'm some like massive Tommy Tallarico fan. I've never considered myself such. In fact, it was only years later when I yeah. realised he'd, he'd worked on a number of things um, that I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, if you you can find most of his stuff on Spotify now, he he did a lot of re- like proper garbage um, at first. I, I I would completely agree with that because um, that's that's the thing. It it does surprise me when we get picks uh, Talarico tracks on here, mm. and I know obviously he, he he's absolutely instrumental in the whole video games live thing. Yes, and I've I've not been to one yet. Sadly, I will do. Um, mm. but I've seen they they showed one on Sky Arts a while back mm. uh, from from a couple of years ago, and it was magnificent. You know, it's like mm. a really good proper show. Um, but yeah, my memories of Tommy Tallarico are some really turgid clunky almost <laughs> out of time early 16-bit sort of platform game tracks and stuff well, like he's that done, so, like he's got some albums that it's just him noodling around on a guitar just <laughs> doing like really awful metal and like, like metal stuff and the covers just like him with a pair of sunglasses on yeah yeah and it's really bad but um yeah he's a, he's a bit of a cheesemonger i would say yeah a little uh, bit but, you know um, and that's okay so this song uh is stranger things from mdk um which again is another shiny entertainment game yeah. Um and this song is just fascinating just because of how much is going on. Like you mm. within the th- the first 30 seconds you basically you've heard a full orchestra so you have got strings, brass, um xylophone in there. Um there's there's an electric guitar which is presumably Tommy Tallarico standing in front of the whole orchestra wailing away on that. Um you've got you've got drum kit, synthesizers. Um it's just it's just bizarre how how much goes into this. And this is mm. like the first um, when you basically this plays in the first level, um, and then I think it recurs quite a lot. This version from the um, the soundtrack that they released is actually there's a lot more to it than the one that's actually in the game, presumably just due to memory 
limitations. Mm. Um, the one in the game just sort of loops the first minute, minute and a half, something like that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, but no, the, the full thing is well worth listening to. It's, it's just so odd. Um, and d- does loads... Of, like, I normally hate um, like orchestra with a rock drum kit for some reason. Yeah. Like, I always find something incredibly cheesy about that. Mm. Um, that sort, sort of works here, probably just because you're playing as a, you know, a guy in a gimp suit shooting aliens and mm. there's a many-armed dog dropping bombs above you. and It all sort of works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They they took risks uh, yeah. <laughs> back in 1997 uh, with MDK, and here are Stranger Things, appropriately titled. <laughs>
So I'm looking forward to finally playing MDK. It's been on my two playlist for 19 years now. Uh, kidding. Oh, you never played it? Nope. Wow. And we are going to cover it, and you're going to join us yes. on Kane and Rince podcast issue 248. And because we plan ahead, uh, we announced that one last November, and that one's coming out in November 2016. Um, so, yeah, because um, I've mostly been focusing on the Zelda games for this uh, volume of the podcast and half of the next as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been doing too many other games that I haven't played before or haven't finished before because of, you know, time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but MDK, uh, I looked up. Uh, it's only about four or five hours to beat, I think. Yeah, you like can that. do it in a couple of evenings easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, without going into it too much um, yeah it is a fascinating game mm. um yeah i'm looking this, forward to it it's elements of it are incredibly dated but it's yes. it's just really it's really impressive what they do with it visually just you know with the sort of limited tools that they have so mm. uh, yeah no, i'm looking forward to recording that would be good yeah we should it should be interesting having my perspective mm. um as somebody who i remember the edge nine out of ten review and, and yeah. other reviews and thinking yeah i've got to play that uh didn't have a pc at the time mm-hmm. didn't really want to get the playstation version yeah because um, i heard it was a bit you know a bit lesser mm-hmm. so i thought i'd wait until i got a pc and then you know never got around to it but now i have it on steam you know it costs whatever a few buttons and yeah. um yeah it should be fun mm. next up we have uh, a track from a game that we previously covered back in issue 122 of the Kane and Rince podcast. Subscribe to that if you don't already. That's where we actually talk about the games in case you hadn't realised. And this request is from Mononoke. Uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons by Gustav Grafberg, one of my favourite video games and video game soundtracks combined. There are many great tracks to choose from as a result, but the reason I've chosen Naya is for its piercing melody sung by what I'm assuming is a child to a vocal level that sends proverbial tingles down my spine. Then uh, this is followed by a string-based response echoing the main theme in all its moving glory. The resonance of this piece is increased tenfold when you know what scene this music accompanies, and without delving into spoiler territory, let's just say it's an emotionally powerful moment in the game that is one of the defining moments in all of gaming for me personally. It's a beautiful, yet at the same time haunting piece.
Gustav Grefberg and something Naya there from Starbury Studios Brothers. That's three years old now as well. Yeah, yeah I played that through uh, to utter completion on both PS3 and 360. Why would you do it twice? It's such a sad game. <laughs> Why would you put yourself through Well, that? <laughs> I did it once when I reviewed it and then I did it again when okay. we did it on a podcast. Uh, so, okay. and, and I think they, they gave away, I think uh, it was a PS Plus game. So a lot yeah. of people have it in their... In their in their backlog, so you've just you you've done it the once, have you? Yes, and that was mm. quite enough. In fact, I even like my memories of it are quite sketchy, and I think that's like a that's a sort of repression defense <laughs> mechanism. I just <laughs> yeah don't want to I, think about it. It is, an, it is an incredible piece of work, though. Yeah, I think it really is, and um, it's one of those games where you know when I first played it, I was playing it for review, and mm. um, you know I gave it a, a positive review, but I don't think. I necessarily, you know, had the time to really appreciate just sort of how how affecting it was, and then mm. going back to it, I think, yeah, even our Carl, you know, he's a he's a he's a hard <laughs> brusque northerner. He was uh, he was uh, saying that it's one of the few games that actually gets him uh, emotional, but not necessarily at the 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 scenes that uh, the, the the scene that that music comes from. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of other. It's not just that's not the only heartbreaking scene in the game. Put no. it that way. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, you know it's a, it's a game that you can um, a bit like uh, Papo and Yo, although arguably mechanically more robust. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a game that can affect you a lot, but you can finish in an evening or or, or two sessions or something like that. So you, yeah. I think it's um, I love games that length personally. You know yeah. that you can get a lot out of Journey is another one I suppose mm-hmm. um, that you can play through once in a while and and get the whole. It's like yeah, it's like watching a movie or something, and yeah, that you yeah, get yeah. the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah, exactly, and you feel like you've you've taken something significant away from it without having to, you know, take up 40 hours of your life or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty good deal. Also, uh, that game has the saddest controller vibration ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Say no more. Uh, so, yes, listeners, if you if you have played the game, go and listen to that Kane and Rince podcast, uh, 122. If you haven't, play the game first and then go and listen to that podcast. So, remember, also, please venture over to our forum. Uh, slash forum you can request tunes for this podcast and um, we have a, a burgeoning list of tracks to play over the next however many sound of plays or sounds of play we do uh, no plans for it to ever stop <laughs> same with the main podcast i don't know how uh, it's i can't just... see can't see you running out of games anytime soon no no <laughs> the the list is currently i think it's 1400 on now so <laughs> that's the rest of my life uh, yep. most of my natural life i can't i literally can't stop um <laughs> Yeah, or follow us on Twitter at Kane and Rince and you can request tracks there. We've decided uh, maybe try using the hashtag Sound of Play because uh, SOP is apparently standard operating procedure. Um, but either way, uh, we'll probably get it or just at us. It's fine. But follow us on there. Uh, Facebook.com slash Kane and Rince. I don't think we've had... We've, yeah, we've had one or two requests on there, but you should uh, like our Facebook page simply because it's uh, it's the home to all the news that we take from all the other sites of the internet. It's actually Every- re- re- like, it's a, it's a really useful news sort of aggregator. Well, thank like, you. Yes, <laughs> that's that's really the helpful. plan. We filter out the uh, the white noise mm-hmm. and, um, and just feature the stuff that we think people will be interested in. But yeah. rather like the main podcast, it's um, it's eclectic. You know, we will mm-hmm. talk we will talk about FIFA and we'll talk about the latest indie yeah, platformer yeah, yeah. and everything in between. But um, but we might ignore some of the more sort of indulgent um, nonsense that, that makes up the uh, the news on, on certain sites. Um, we also share articles and, and other things there. 
Uh, yes, yeah, so keep those requests coming in. Uh, we will need them. Uh, and do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and leave us an iTunes review or a rating or both. Uh, same for the Cane and Rinse podcast. And these days we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Cane and Rinse. And then there's some other stuff, but I don't think you need to know that. Um, anyway, Patreon Cane and Rinse, uh, it's like a donation box or a tips jar. If you think that all the hours of podcasts we put your way, which is uh, three hours a week now at least, um, with a couple of weeks off every year, if, if you don't mind. Um, if you think any of that's worth something in return, then uh, then drop us a dollar a month or whatever you think, uh, and it will help us keep on running, and it's hugely appreciated. We also have a shop, spreadshirt.co.uk slash rinse, and you can buy T-shirts and bags. There's a specific Sound of Play T-shirt if you're a fan of this podcast. Uh, they cost normal online T-shirt prices, but from each sale we get, like, two or three quid or something like that and uh basically we can't be bothered to do the thing that you did sean which was (laughs) manually do the whole t-shirt thing yourself well we we've talked about doing it your way because people keep asking for more shirts and it's like do i really want to put myself through that again (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like um i I get the same thing even when i do the occasional batch of ebay it's like oh yeah Um, it's it's a nice feeling and obviously it was amazing that we sold as many as we did and stuff but then yeah the actual logistics of it were Bit well, of a headache. Yes, we don't sell very many at all, so uh, people should buy them. Um, <laughs> they are genuinely of of good quality, um, and we always like it when people send us pictures of the bags or the t shirts yeah, being yeah. worn. Um, yeah, maybe we're just not a very kind of t shirty brand. I don't know, but uh, but you guys <laughs> definitely are. So um, yeah, spread shirt. Um, you don't get the biggest cut, but what uh, you need to do is get someone to design you a version of your logo, like it's for a crap metal band, and then uh, they'll they'll fly out. That's the trick, mate. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was kind of hoping. I was thinking maybe like the name of our podcast because it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane and Rince could just people could just like misunderstand and think it's some I don't know some cool hip term that <laughs> kids are using, and it could become like a ma- it could become like the Frankie says relax t shirts in the eighties. <laughs> Everyone's just going around wearing Kane and Rince, like eight million t shirts sold. Um, but yeah. sadly, sadly not yet. We'll see him in Topshop. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah, no I, I've said this before, but I love the name of your your show, Midnight Resistance. Oh. That is not the other one, um, <laughs> because I, I think Midnight Resistance works on so many levels. Yeah, it's uh, it's very good. Yes. Um, never a massive fan of the game, though I have to say. But uh, no, yeah, maybe we've we'll had cover... this conversation before. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe we'll, if, as I say, if we if we ever do it on Kane and Rince, uh, yeah. you and Andy will obviously be uh, be the the go to guests. Cool. Speaking of your things, well, we've just kind of plugged them, but uh, but Sean, where can people uh, pick up these uh, outpourings of yours? Uh, so midnightresistance.co.uk um, is a website with a podcast on it and sometimes words, but not so much these days. We've been a bit more honest now about the fact that we just don't have time uh, mm. to actually write stuff. It's um, so tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or on Twitter, at Midnight Resist, because Midnight Resistance doesn't fit. And if we knew that when we picked the name, we probably would have picked something else. That's a shame. <laughs> that would have been a shame, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, the computer game show, which is, you know, Joypod 2, whatever you want to call it. Um uh, which is at is it spong.com forward slash the computer game show or computer? I can't even I think, remember. Go on spong.com and the <laughs> podcast bit, you'll find it there. Um, I think it's computer game show, I think. Yes. But, uh, yeah, spong, spong.com presents yeah. hosts anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, they are both good. I am pleased to be involved with, with both of them. Yes, as well you might be. Mm. Um, hopefully, I think David mentioned when we had him on for Titanfall recently that um, you might invite me on to the computer game show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If good. you do that, I will be there. Yeah, cool. 
Uh, yeah, so thanks for joining me again. It's been nice to chat, uh, yeah. both current events and uh, and video game music. Mm. And now uh, we will be closing with your final selection, uh, which so is... This is Titan from Hyperlight Drifter, um, which is by Disaster Peace. Um, now, I was really excited about this game, mm. um, and then it came out, and I don't mm. like it. Oh, some people, some people like it, don't they? Some, um, some people absolutely love it, and it yeah. breaks my heart that I'm not one of them. Um, I just find it too hard to be enjoyable. Ah, and, okay. You know, now, and, what's the game that this reminds me of that came out a year or two ago that people were excited for, and then people said it was too hard to be enjoyable? It was another similarly sort of uh, artsy, independent trying game. To think. Not sure. Um, I mean, it, it always, you know, in development, um, they always made it quite clear that this was going to be a really challenging game. Yeah. But, you know, that usual, I finished Dark Souls, I finished God Hand. Yeah. That's fine. Um, yeah, just got really frustrated with it. Mm. Um, There's all different kinds of hard as we explore on the other yeah, podcast. You know. I think it's it's weird little quirks of the mechanics, like the fact that you have a dodge move, but it doesn't have any invincibility frames. And stuff like that. So if you go into right. it with a Dark Souls mindset, you're going to mm. die a lot um, more than you did in Dark Souls. Um, but yeah, this song is just in the intro bit before it gets too hard. So you can just you can just listen to it and enjoy it without getting annoyed. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, all it is, it's just a sequence of synth chords, basically. But um, Oh, but what a sequence. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, Disaster Piece... I'm not sure what his real name is. Um, I've forgotten. Yeah. Um, but yes, he did the uh, he did the soundtrack for It Follows uh, last year, which which was cool. The yeah, movie, and, the and famously did the uh, Fez soundtrack as well. Um, yes, he. Rich, I mean, Richard Vreeland. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, obviously, there's no shortage of chip tune stuff these days, but I do feel like Disaster um, operates on a, a a higher level in a lot of ways. Um, like some of the, you know, the I nearly chose um, the, the bit of the soundtrack that was used on the release trailer, um, right? Because that's sort of almost sort of Debussy esque. Um, wow! It's got this, you know, it's, it's sort of piano led, but then again has these sort of synth sort of swells in the background, and it's, it's absolutely stunning. But I figured most people might have already heard that um, on account of it being on the trailer that was you know, flying around the internet a couple of months back. So this song is a bit more laid back and. Um, it has this, this sort of one of his calling cards seems to be that he has this strange sort of tape warping effect mm, on everything yeah. he does, and yes. that everything sounds a little bit wobbly and detuned, like so, like it's you know being played on a tape player. And you, you know, like, uh, Home Alone two, where he's got the talk boy and he's squeezing it to make himself sound like an adult, like someone's doing that <laughs> um, as the song's playing. And uh, <laughs> the um, there was the old not not the Moog, but before that there was a. Uh... It was something that Julian Cope, I, I saw him play it on stage, but it was yeah. like a proto synthesizer that was actually like when you press a key, it's literally playing a bit of tape. Oh, uh, Mellotron. Mellotron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, Mellotron feel. Mellotronics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's absolutely stunning bit of music, this. And like I say, I just wish. Um, like, I feel like I remember this piece much better because it was in a part of the game where I wasn't being challenged too much. And although mm. I, I recognise that the rest of the soundtrack is brilliant, I was just getting too annoyed at dying all the time to really mm. absorb it. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, so this one really sticks out to me for that reason. Oh, lovely. Well, uh, we'll leave our listeners with that. Thanks for joining me again, Sean. No, not at all. 
And uh, yeah, so to close, this is Titan from Hyperlight Drifter, which may be too hard for you, or maybe not, by Heart Machine. And uh, yeah, disaster piece. See you next time. Cheerio.